Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. Today we are concluding this, as Aaron mentioned, we're concluding the three-part series, Come to the Table. I think it's appropriate that we've done this series and that we're concluding it today, considering the fact that many of you be going not just coming to the table uh, this coming week, but you're going to just be just crushing the table this coming week for Thanksgiving. Um, so, uh, and I know that different people may do it on different days, but just the whole attitude of that. But I got a quick question. How many of you, just, just I'm curious, how many of you plan on having a traditional Thanksgiving meal? Let me see your hands. Let me see. Okay, how many plan on not having a traditional Thanksgiving meal? Okay. Uh, now, but uh, let's clarify that. Okay, what do you mean by traditional? Turkey? Okay, uh, how many think that traditional means stuffing? How many think traditional means dressing? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's really, it's really, uh, there's a difference. I tell you, if, if you come from different parts of the country, uh, uh, it's, there definitely a difference. Okay, what about this? What about cranberry sauce? Is it legal to have Thanksgiving lunch without cranberry sauce? No. no. All right, so let me ask this. What about, is it just jellied or with cranberries? How many want cranberries in, the, in their cranberry uh, sauce? Absolutely not. That's just, ugh. We're not going there. All right, here's the deal. Uh, you go, why would we just spend that time there? The point is, is that uh, no matter what your t- taste preference is coming this Thanksgiving, as we look at this uh, series of messages, if you come to the table, to God's table, to the Father's table, you will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. And He just wants to reassure you and reconfirm that with you this morning. So today God is inviting me and you to His table, and He is inviting me and you to invite people to His table as we come to conclude. The first week, there was a focus uh, in the series on the table and what God has provided for us, just the absolute feast. And we took a look at the 23rd Psalms and just all of the riches, every need that you have. Uh, is something that God has already thought of beforehand and He has provided for you. It's at His table. Just come, He says. Last week we were reminded by Aaron that uh, there's a potential of people just getting so preoccupied with this world, the, the world that is dying, uh, that we get so preoccupied with this that we just miss out and lose sight on the fact that we have been invited to God's table. And so we choose other things rather than to respond to the invitation to experience God. Today I'd like for us to to take a look at, uh, in the passage of Luke chapter 14, I'd like for us to kind of focus in a little bit on the servant and his role 
and, and this great banquet. So there's two passages that we're going to look at today. Number one is Luke chapter 14. So if you go ahead and turn there with me, the parable of the great banquet. And then a little later, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, uh, just raise your hand. Can you get and we'll get you a Bible, but you got to leave it up if you, if you need that. Luke chapter 14. The parable of the great banquet. We, we've read this several times, but you know how God has, uh, in the past in your life spoke to you differently about different aspects as you continue to read through his scripture. So let's read this together. Verse 15. As when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just brought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I am on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Verse 21, the servant came back and responded this to, uh, reported this to the master. And then the owner of the house became angry and he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, said the servant, what you have ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you today and we just thank you for your amazing love. Lord, I, I pray that you would help each of us understand just the enormity of this invitation. And what a blessing it is, your great love for us. And Lord, whatever condition or state or mindset or spiritual um, state that we're in today, Lord, that we would come and sit at your feet at your table and that we would experience what, Lord, you want to lavish on us. Help us today. Oh, Holy Spirit. To see exactly what you are doing in our lives and our church and our community and around the world. Father, remind us of your great, great glory. Your kingdom and what it's all about. And Lord, we pray that through your spirit today that we would see ourselves and we'd see you and that we would respond in a way that would bring you honor and glory for we make it our prayer in Jesus name. Amen. All right, so as we look at this particular passage, we're reminded, you know, again, that uh, Jesus is, is giving this peril, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, and, he, and he's uh, helping the people there, the religious people, uh, the Jewish people, to understand that, you, that they were missing out, really, on what it was all about, really what was on God's heart. Uh, they got so religious and so hyper-focused on that that they missed out on what it is that God's really all about. 
And so Jesus gives this example, and, and he says that there's this master, and he's given a banquet. He has sent out this invitation. And in those days, uh, obviously, um, not social media around, but uh, there was two invitations. First, there was the initial invitation that went out to the guests. said, we want, I want you to come to this banquet. And so we see that in, 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 in the Word of God, that God had called the people of Israel to be His people. And so this invitation went out to them. And then, then at the time when the banquet was ready, then He sent out the second invitation to say, all right, it's ready, now come on in. And so the analogy there and, and the reference is, is that Jesus is using this banquet as an indication of His kingdom. His kingdom had come in Jesus. And so... Jesus is showing that even though, even though you were part of the religious establishment, even though there's some history with God's stuff, you can miss out on what God really is calling for. And that is a personal relationship with us through His Son, Jesus Christ. So here we have the Master that has uh, prepared this amazing banquet uh, this feast, and now he's saying it is ready, and then we see well, what happens there. Verse 17 says that he sends his servant out. So here we got this servant, we got the master, we got this servant, and, and God wants me and you, if we are followers of his, to see ourselves in the place of his servant. He says, all right, servant, go out and tell him it's ready. And uh, we see that in verse 17, and then and then in verse 21, the servant came back and he, it says what? He reported this to his master. He didn't come back and, and, and uh, sheepishly or, you know, with his tail between his legs and go, oh my goodness, you know, uh, I messed up. I, I apparently messed up on my invitation. I didn't use the right words or whatever the case is. All he went out was say, to say, hey, you've been invited. The banquet is ready. And so he reported this back to the master. And then the master says, okay, if these people don't want to experience what it is that I've got to give to them and provide for them and the love that I have and all that my kingdom is about, then he, he gives him another, uh, another uh, instruction. He says, go out quickly in the streets and alleys to the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant did this. And so verse 22 says that really he, he responded and then he comes back with another update and he says, okay, I've done what you've said to do. And in verse 23, uh, he says that, okay, but there's still room. There's still room. And so the master in verse 23 told the servant, go to the roads and the hedges and compel them to come in. So the overlap on this for, for us is that... Uh, there, there's some things that we can draw. Number one is that, you know, we see God as the master. We see ourselves and his children, followers of Jesus Christ as his servants, uh, those that have peace with God and relationship with God through Jesus and Je through Jesus alone. And, and, and now we see Jesus saying, I want you to go to the religious. I want you to go to, to those I've already extended. Uh, Aaron made an analogy last week, like, oh man, this, this looked right here, this preoccupation with all these excuses. It could be a, a, a current picture of American Christianity today. You know, it's just uh, the, the religious but lost. You know, religiously active but missing out on what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. And so 
So he says, I want you to go to them. And then I want you to go to those that acknowledge that they have needs. Those that often you may see as unclean. The religious people saw these as unclean and they didn't want to associate with them. So the poor, the blind, the crippled, the lame, those that acknowledge and know that they have need, go to them. So there's a lot of people that recognize there's needs in their life. And yet when the servant comes back, he says, there's still room. There's still room. And then Jesus uh, in the parable says that the master said, I want you to go out. And there's a parallel here to the, to the Gentiles at that time. So they were thinking, whoa, whoa. So as, as we come to look at this particular passage, there's just this all out heart of God to say, I don't want any to perish, but all to come to life through Jesus Christ. And he reminds me and you of that today. That's God's heart. God's not uh, really, uh, really that interested in our comfort or all of that stuff. He wants us to understand His heart is that He's all about people coming to know His Son, Jesus, so that we could have a relationship with Him for all eternity. That's what it's all about. It's not about the here and now. It's about the eternity that God has created us for. And so... He, he gives there in verse uh, 23, he says, I want you to go out and I want you to compel them to come. So I want us to take just a couple of minutes to look at this word, compel them to come, because I think it's misunderstood. Uh, I want to look at what it is not and I want to look at what it really is. You know, what does it mean to compel them to come? If you and I are servants of, of the Lord, uh, so say that, say servant of the Lord. Okay, if you and I are servants of the Lord... Uh, then what does it mean to compel them? What does it look like? I can tell you what it's not. It's not like what a lot of religious people in the past have thought through the inquisitions whenever they come and they thought they would force and manipulate uh, people to come, twist them their arms. So it's not about that. It's not about even uh, outsmarting them. You know, compelling them to come. I think this is a beautiful picture that helps us understand. It's not even about coercing them or judging them. It's not about a perfect method, even though I think that we should, that we should sharpen ourselves. The Bible tells us to be able to give an answer why we have a hope. So we got a couple of groups right now that uh, are looking at ways to be able to share your faith. Tactics, is that, you know, uh, tactics. So we need to be doing that. But, but the servant didn't come back to the master and say, you know, I think I just messed it up. Uh, I, I just I didn't have the right words to say so because they're not responding. He just came back and said they're not responding. How could he come back? How could he come back and not be fearful of his master because of the lack of response from the people? How many times have you been discouraged and frustrated because people just didn't respond as you thought they should? Or how many times have you felt intimidated because you thought, man, I, they are so smart and I'm not so smart. Uh, they, they know their stuff. I really don't know my stuff. And how many times have we been reluctant to go out because we've been told a lie or we've believed a lie? He says, I want you to go out and compel them to come. What does it really mean? Turn over with me to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. I think it's here that Paul gives us a picture of really what that's all about. I think the very heart 
of what God wants me and you to know as we're thinking about uh, our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, as servants of His. I think what He really wants us to understand and know, it's not about having the best Christmas banquet, even though you better be out there inviting folks to the Christmas banquet. It's not about having the most candles in the candlelight service, although that is a wonderful opportunity to invite people to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. But here's what Paul says as he's talking about how we as followers of Christ, we as his servants are given this ministry of reconciliation, helping people be reconciled to God. That means we need to understand that when someone is not in a relationship with God, they are enemies of God, no matter how good they are, no how great a friend they are. But the Bible helps us to understand that uh, uh, we are enemies of God if we're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. And in verse 14, here's what he says. He says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. It is Christ's love that compels us. So here's it. If we just take and, and overlap this into our lives as followers of Christ, as servants of His, and say that, servants of Christ. Okay, say it. One, two, three. Servants of Christ. Okay, if we overlay this, I believe what, here's what God wants to know, the very heart of what He wants to know. It's the love of Jesus. It's the love of Jesus, plain and simple. And I was thinking about that and going, okay, how can I, how can I relate to that? How can I fully understand that? And, and, it, and so it spoke to me, and I know that it may not speak to you, but it spoke to me, and so I'm going to relate it to you. So I was thinking about this. What does that look like, the love of Jesus in, in practical, just practical terms? Why are we sometimes reluctant? You know, what, what are, and I thought about what's going to go down this week. In the next couple of days, my family's going to go down to Grady, Alabama, and there's a few of y'all that, uh, you know, don't know where Grady, Alabama is. You're a guest. We're so thankful to have you here today. Uh, others haven't been around. But people that have been around here, they, they understand because I talk about where I grew up all the time. But we're going down there because my sister is always open at her restaurant, Red's Little Schoolhouse, on Thanksgiving Day. So we're going to go down and help because it is a big, big shindig. And um, for those of you that have been around, how many is eating food from Red's Little Schoolhouse? Okay. All right. So, you know, you know, that's a, that's a good deal. Uh, so we're going to go down there and help and, and, uh, it'll be just crazy, crazy, a lot of hard work and, and, uh, cutting up just tons of turkeys and making hundreds of gallons of dressings and, and picking greens and all that kind of stuff. It's just going to be a lot going on and it's going to be an absolute feast. It's going to be an absolute feast. Uh, the buffet probably, what, from here to that wall over there, cram with amazing food. So it's going to be amazing. So I got to thinking about, okay, their feast, great banquet, Thanksgiving, yeah. Uh, what if my sister said, Mike, I want you to go out. we got plenty of room. I want you to go out and compel them to come. I want you to compel people to come. So what would that look like? What would I do? Well, there's two things I'd do. I, I, I would tell them about Debbie, my sister, and I would tell them about the food. I would start off, and, I've, and not only 
what I do that I, I do that all the time. And I'm not doing it because she's told me, but it's because, number one, I love my sister and I love that food. And uh, even when we were in Texas, we would be on a flight to, from Dallas to, I think, Montgomery. Did they do that? Uh, Montgomery, And we would tell people on the airplane. You ever been to Reds? You ever been to Reds? You know, we would tell them, you know, on the airplane. I would start by telling people, and I do still do this all the time, I would say, my sister, she's got this restaurant down the middle of nowhere, and I, and, and I know, I know people tell you about that stuff all the time, but, uh, you know, it's her, it's her calling. And I tell her, she's the Mother Teresa of Lower Alabama. You know, that's her call. I mean, she just loves. She's called to this. She really is. She's called to this. And she has gone to amazing extremes. She wears herself out in order to provide these fresh vegetables and all this stuff. And I mean, and I start telling people about Debbie and then I tell them about the food. And I say, oh my goodness, that fried cornbread. You got to try that fried cornbread. It's fried cornbread. And then I begin to tell them, I say, you know, and there's, there, there's stuff on there that I grew up not really liking, but I'm telling you, right now, she's got rutabagas on that buffet. I never liked rutabagas. I don't know what she does to those rutabagas, but I li- anybody like rutabagas here? Nobody? You ain't, you ain't, have you had them from Red's? Have you had them for And I tell, and I'll start, you know, I just start, oh, the chicken, you know, it's voted best in Alabama, got the best sweet, you know, and I just start telling them about the food. So I tell them about Debbie, and I tell them about food. I love Debbie, and I love the food. And I'm not really worried about what their background is. I'm not worried about their food preferences. I'm not worried about any of that stuff. I mean, it's just an opportunity to tell someone about somebody that I love and something that I love. That's kind of a picture. You know, if, if, if we're spending time with Jesus personally, experientially, and we're feasting on what He has provided for us, which is what? Forgiveness. Which is what? A relationship with God, peace with God, which is what? Freedom. Which is what? Deliverance. He has provided for every need. You know, I... If we're, if I wasn't, if I didn't know Debbie well, and if I didn't hang around her enough to know her well, and I hadn't eaten down there, how could I really passionately compel people to come? It just comes naturally. And I think that's a picture that God wants from me and you is, is this, hey, listen, it's not some obligation I'm asking you to do. Don't make you try to make yourself feel better going out there and, you know, making a few invitations and get people to come. No. It's about telling people about Jesus and your experience with Jesus and the food that He offers. That servant did not feel like a failure because he thought it was up to him. No, he knew that all he was doing is being a representative of the Master. And we need to stop letting the evil one lie to us and, and, and make us feel awkward about passionately telling people about Jesus and what He's done for us. We're not trying to convince people to believe in a certain way. We're just simply telling them and introducing them to our Lord and our Savior. 
And we're just, and we're, and if we're not spending time with them, then we're not experiencing the food that's at his table. So we're not able to tell him, oh my goodness, I had so much oppression and, and God delivered me from that. Oh, I was bound up in this and God freed me from that. Oh, I was so lonely, but now I'm never alone. And we're telling them because we're feasting at his table on a daily, regular basis. It's not just a one and done. We're coming to His table, but we got to show up the first time and taste and see and experience that He is good. Here's what, here's what He says. Uh, let's go on from verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for Him who died for them and was raised again. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once we regarded Christ this way, we do, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. And all of this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you, then Paul says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin, a sin offering for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. Come to the table. It's all about love. For God so loved the world that He gave us one and only Son. We don't need to get that confused and mixed up on that. It says, here's, what, here's the greatest commandment that Jesus says. He says, I want you to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. The love of Christ does something in us. Paul helps us to see that in 2 Corinthians. It, it, it changes how I view myself and my role. And in verse 15, he says, no longer do we live for ourselves. We're not living for ourselves. We don't need to be focused on what's now. Listen, there's a lot of self. There's a lot of self in the church today. Maybe there's a lot of self in your life, but he says, we have found out that it's not living for yourselves. But for him, if you just move a few verses over from Luke 14 uh, in the passage of the great banquet, you get to see Jesus said, okay, this is what it really means to be a follower of his, the cost of discipleship. It's like you deny yourself and you take up yourself and follow him. So, so it changes my view about myself. Has your view changed? Or are you still living for self, your comfort, your rights, all that? But it not only changes my view about myself, but it changes how I view people. He says there in verse 16, look, he says, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We're not letting the labels of our society dictate our view of people. We're not letting politics, we're not letting ethnicity, we're not letting anything dictate our view of people. We are seeing them as God sees them. 
as one that is created by Him and that desperately wants a relationship with Him. He loves them. He loves them. Love, this love that compels us, it changes how I view myself, my role. It changes how I view people around me. The servant went out. It wasn't about points. It wasn't about works. It wasn't about obligation. It wasn't about guilt. It was just like, hey, I'm hanging with you, Master. What do you want me to do? Master says, here's what, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go tell those people that I've already invited, send the, send the invitation to, go tell them it's ready now. They know. They know. And then they... Those people, those people that God loved, that He goes, I want you to be here. They made excuses. And they didn't show up. And then Jesus tells the servant, I want you to go, I want you to go further. I want you to go to places that make you uncomfortable. And I want you to tell them. And he says, Yeah, there's still room. And he said, Okay, here's one. I want you to go the great distance. Parallel picture of the Gentile. I want you to go a great distance. And I want you to tell them. I want you to invite them to come in. I want you to help them know that I've got a feast. And they may think what's going on, but all I want you to do is I just want you to share. And if they're hungry, they will come. If they're... I tell you, I have seen myself a lot of times reluctant because I didn't know where people were spiritually or how they may see all this, you know, their faith and all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking about it. I was going, you know, I could have been talking to some vegans on that plane telling them about this fried chicken and, uh, you know, this uh, all this turkey and all this stuff. And I... But it didn't matter. I was, they could see the passion and the love for it. You know, I, I didn't know, but I was willing to tell them. How many times have we been shut down? Because we're overthinking it. Let Jesus lavish His love on you this morning. Spend some time with Him this morning. And here, here's the deal. Love will take you there. Love will take you there. You know, I've often just, and you've heard me talk about my sister. I'm going, you're just killing yourself. You just, it's her calling, it's her love. It takes her to those pea fields and those turnip fields and those tater fields early in the morning before it's light. Why? It's her love for doing what she does. Let love take you there. Let the love of Jesus, let Him remind you of His love for you and all that is available for you at His table. Now here's what I want you to do. If you just close your eyes for a minute. Mary, I'm going to get you to come up. If you would, tickle the ivory for us. Would you do this for me this morning? Would you just ask, just say, Lord, help me block out Mike and let me just look to you. But would you ask Him this this morning? Lord, would you help me to see me in this parable? Lord, would you please help me to see me in this parable? Lord, am I, 
I, I know I go to church and all that, but am I one of those initially invited guests, but I'm so preoccupied, and actually I'm so in love with the things of this world. You're just... I don't love you. Lord... Am, am I one of the? Am I? Am I the poor? Am I the blinded? Am I the crippled? Lord, am, am I the one that's standing in need right now? Lord, that I need what you have to offer me. That your riches, the riches of your grace and your forgiveness. Lord, do I need? Sight? Am I blinded to, to my anger? Am I blinded to my hatred? Am I blinded to, to myself? And that I need you and I need the light of the world. I need you. Lord, am I sitting in this crippled condition? My emotions have been crippled. My relationships have been crippled and I need your healing. Lord, am I your servant? Am I spending so much time with you that, that I am so filled from being with you that I just can't help but tell people explicitly of my experiential experience? Lord, help me to see me In this parable, I want to give you an opportunity to to come to His table. But before we come to His table, as the Lord's table, to come and just get just respond to what He is inviting you to do. Maybe, maybe, just come to the altar and and just say, Lord, I. I want to be that servant. I want to be a servant that's not so self-focused and preoccupied. I want to be, I want to be so filled with your love. I, I want to get there. Lord, I want to bring these needs. I am poor. I am blinded. I am crippled. And I just want to come and confess that. I'm not going to play games. I want to come and ask for you just to lavish the feast of your life on me. Lord, I've been making some excuses. And I feel convicted about that. I want to come claim before you right now. servant went he did what the father asked and then he went again and, and he went again only love will take you that far you allow the love of Christ to take you to where he wants you to be today maybe it's confession maybe it's healing if you'd like just to pray and someone to pray with you just come come to the altar
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.